Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. You uh, probably noticed a little bit, you know, I got the little old lady walk. I busted my knee uh, about two weeks ago, and it's given me all sorts of grief. Um, I went to the physio, and uh, they've been working on it. They sent me for an MRI in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it doesn't seem to be getting that much better. And I have a high-set house where I live in Mansfield, and so going up the stairs, I'm like one step at a time, you know, and try doing that with groceries. It's like, oh, my gosh. And uh, even simple tasks as, you know, getting dressed in the morning, I'm like, oh, this is so painful trying to get... Anyway, for those of you who are visual, I won't go into the details of getting dressed. But uh, it's really been uh, quite a hindrance. And when I was with the physio just uh, on Friday, a couple of days ago, he said to me, Eleanor, okay, it's been two weeks, Your, your knee's really not really doing that well in the muscles. He said, I I think we need to move to the next DEF CON level. You need to get a walking stick for the next couple of weeks because we need to, you know, help you a little bit to, to just get everything working again. And I had such a reaction, the thought of having to get a walking stick. And I went, no! I said, I'm not that old. And he said to me, he said, well, how old are you? And so I told him my age and he said, well, You're not a spring chicken. And, uh, you know, and I said, well, thank you very much. Um, And it got me thinking, you know, just on the side point here, a spring chicken, where did that saying come from? I Googled it, wonderful Google. And a spring chicken, it literally referred to chickens born in the spring were more tasty than the old chickens that lived through the winter. So that's where that saying came from. You're not as you know, you're not a spring chicken. So I'm the tough chicken that you don't want to eat after the winter, after many many winters. Anyway, I took that on the chin that I'm not a spring chicken and I have to get a walking stick. And so I thought, okay, bite the bullet. On the way home, I stopped at Chemist Warehouse. I hobbled in to Chemist Warehouse, and you know, Chemist Warehouse, it's got that name because it's pretty big, it's a warehouse. And uh, there was a a young man near the door, and I said, oh, excuse me, um, can you tell me where the walking sticks are? And so he looked me up and down, he said, ma'am, why don't you just sit here and I'll go and get you the walking stick. (laughs) And I went, oh, this this is so not uh, helping, you know, appease my sense of, of old age. And so, you know, I've really felt limited in so many ways because of my my leg. And and just even in the worship this morning, Jimmy, you know, all these songs, and here we are to bow down. Everything's about, you know, every knee shall bow before the lion and the lamb. And I'm thinking, yes, Jesus, the knee, the knee. So, you know, I wasn't sitting there because I didn't like the worship, in case you were thinking, look at the speaker. She's not even standing today. But, uh, yeah, I, I realized, gee, a lot of worship worship songs are about bending knees. There's something about the knees. But it really, when your knee is stuffed, it limits you. And, and uh, you know, as we go into this No Limit series, I guess I started thinking, 
I wonder if Jesus, you know, if God ever felt limited and, uh, you know, we know he came to earth. He came as one of us, incarnate. He became human. Did he experience limitations like we do as a human being? We know in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, and, 6 to 8, it's talking about Jesus. And the Apostle Paul writes, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And what Paul's talking about when he said Jesus emptied himself, he's talking about limitations. Uh, there's a Greek term, kenosis. It refers to that although fully God, Jesus came to earth, not giving up his divinity, fully God, yet choosing kenosis, choosing to limit and empty himself and being humbled to the point of death, death on a cross. So we know that that passage talks about that. Yet the question remains as we look at this No Limit series, is God limited in some ways? Is he like us, frail as a human being? And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. So let me pray. Jesus, this morning we come before you and we give you thanks that you are a God who identifies with us 100%. Yet you are a God who emptied yourself. You chose to limit yourself to be a human being. And Father, that is humility. Being willing to... to kenosis, to become one of us. And so this morning, as we spend time in your word, I ask Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Father, take captive our every thought, everything that would distract us from the things that you're wanting to remind us of today. Father, we choose to set our eyes on you. We position our hearts. We ask Holy Spirit, would you be the master teacher? Would you be the one who, who challenges, who encourages, who convicts? We thank you that you're here with us. Where two or three are gathered, here you are in our midst. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. So this morning we're going to look at a passage uh, from Isaiah. But before we get there, Isaiah chapter uh, 40, I just want to put the passage in the context of what the, uh, the prophet Isaiah is writing about. So in this particular portion of scripture that we're going to look at, Isaiah has written it to the Jews. He's written it to the children of Israel. Now, in this particular passage, what we need to understand is that the Jewish people had been taken as exiles, they had been taken as prisoners, captive into Babylon. And Babylon is modern-day Iraq. And so here is a prophet writing to people 
who have been taken as slaves into a foreign land. Now, what do we know about the children of Israel? We know that they are the chosen people. They're not chosen because, you know, they were better looking or somehow, you know, God's favourites, because we know God does not show favouritism. They were chosen to be his hands and his feet, to be his representation to the nations around them. So this, were, this was a group of people, about 1.2 million people that were at one point taken into slavery again in Egypt. But these were people that had grown up hearing the Torah, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They'd grown up as a family around the dinner table, talking together about who God was, who Yahweh was. He was their God, a personal God. He was a God that, that taught from his word. He was a God that had led their ancestors, their lineage their, their history, their family, he had led them firsthand out of slavery in Egypt. He had split the Red Sea. He had led them across. And for 40 years, he had led them through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night, leading them in the way they should go. But not only that, he was a God that had given them Manna and quail, food each and every day as he led them eventually, after 40 years, into the promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. So this was a people that they knew God intimately. They had experienced him. They knew him. He wasn't just some book that they read. He was the God of their fathers. And that's why again and again in Scripture, it talks about the God of Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob. That was their family history. So it would be like me saying the God of my grandfather and my father, and it's part of my story, part of the, my life. So they knew God intimately. Yet in this particular passage that we're going to look at from Isaiah 40, here they were once again caught up in slavery, prisoners in exile in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he had even foretold the Israelites that they, as a result of their disobedience to God, that they would face consequences of that disobedience, which would be slavery, which would be being exiled. Disobedience by marrying foreign women, by worshipping foreign gods, not being the people that God had called them to be. And the city of Jerusalem was laying in ruins. The nation had been uh, pulled apart. Slept, uh, swept up as exiles. And it wasn't just for a short amount of time. Here they were in a foreign nation, Babylon, for 70 years. Now think about it, 70 years, that's a lifetime. Not many of us, well, I don't know, well, nowadays with modern medicine, we get to live beyond 70 years. But in those days, that was a lifetime to be prisoners seeing generations growing up as slaves, as prisoners in a foreign land. So no doubt the children of Israel that were these captives in Babylon were feeling somehow, does God even see us? 
Does God even care? This God who, who did all these things, this God that we knew intimately, why isn't he rescuing us? Why isn't he saving us? Is he even listening to us crying out in anguish, to languishing in what we're going through? And you know, that's like many of us. I don't know about you, but I know for me, there are many times where I have been wrestling with something and thinking, God, why aren't you somehow taking it away? God, why aren't you answering that prayer? God, why aren't you every knee shall bow before the lion and the lamb? Why aren't you healing me? God, do you see me? God, do you even care what's going on in my life? How many times are you and I just like the children of Israel? We know and experience God. We've seen his faithfulness in the past. We've experienced him answering prayer. Yet when hard time comes, when hard times come, when for 70 years or one year or 10 years, we're not seeing an answer to prayer, how many of us, like the Israelites, start to question, start to doubt that God sees us or hears us. And so like the Israelites, what we essentially do, we limit Yahweh, we limit God to a box. We literally say, okay, God, I don't believe you hear me. You're not answering me. It's been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 70 years. It's like, God, somehow your care for me you can't do it or you're choosing not to do it. That somehow this God who in the past, you know, split the Red Sea, that somehow he's just not going to answer me when I need him the most. And so it's like we, we get God and we squash him into a box that we think is his capabilities. That we think somehow... He's just not able to, to meet my need or to meet me in this time. So let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 40. And I'm going to begin at verse 21, where Isaiah is reminding the children of Israel of who God is. Isaiah 40, verse 21 to 31. Do you not know... Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, and then he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one, who calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. 
Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So in this particular passage, the prophet Isaiah is wanting to challenge the Israelites to take God, this God that they have known and experienced in the past, to take him out of the box, whatever the box is, they've somehow limited him too. And he does it by asking rhetorical questions. Now, rhetorical questions was a technique that was often used in in ancient past for people to consider a topic, to, to ponder something. They're not actually questions that one is to ask. And my mother... My mother, bless her, she is the queen of rhetorical questions. It would be things like, Eleanor, will these dishes wash themselves? Eleanor, what did your last slave die of? There's no point answering. I know she doesn't want an answer. She's asking rhetorical questions because she wants me to ponder to get the point of what she's trying to say. And so in this passage, Isaiah is asking rhetorical questions, and he's wanting to drive home the point, take God out of the box. Remember who God is. And so he asks, do you not know? Uh Uh-huh, yep, we do. Have you not heard? Mm, Yes, we've heard. Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Mm-hmm. Have you not understood? Well, yep, we have. He's asking the questions to remind them of who God is. The God who rescued their ancestors in the past is the same God who is faithful from the beginning of time to the end of time. He's reminding them, though though no matter what you're currently going through, no matter what you're suffering, he is the unchanging God, the same as he was yesterday, as he is today, as he will be in the future. He is the omni, omni meaning, meaning all, omni potent, meaning powerful. He is the omnipotent, all-powerful God that split the Red Sea, that brought plague on our enemies. He is the same God that is with us today, no matter what we're going through. He is the God that we are to remember, who is the same. We are literally to have those stones of remembrance to remind us of his faithfulness. The same God is with us today. And in verse 22, this same God founded the earth. 
By the breath of his word, he spoke, let there be light. He founded the earth. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. Now, there's one other passage in the Old Testament where it talks about people being grasshoppers. And that was when Moses sent the 12 spies out into the promised land to spy out, is it a land flowing with milk and honey? And what is the opposition like? And so we know in that story, out they go, the 12 spies, and then they return. And in Numbers 13, this is what they say. The men who have gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Have you ever pictured a grasshopper? What would looking like a grasshopper look like? Just as well I've got one, we can show you. You know, from God's vantage point, when he looks at the earth, I could pick on Jason because he's not here. I should actually put Maney up there. But anyway, I needed a special grasshopper for Maney. When God looks at us, When he looks enthroned above the circle of the earth, we all look like grasshoppers. So small, so insignificant, so many of us. You know, I ate grasshoppers as a missionary in the northeast of India. Has anyone else eaten grasshoppers? Let me see. Okay, not for the faint-hearted. Oh, a few of you, yeah. Let me tell you, they're very crunchy when they're deep-fried, yeah? Very crunchy. It's like eating little tortilla chips. So, you know, when Isaiah talked about God sitting enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers, for the listeners, the Israelites that were listening to the prophet Isaiah, they would have been reminded of that story from Numbers, how their ancestors had gone in, the scouts had gone in, and reported back a sad story that somehow we're insignificant, we're small. This this story, as Isaiah talked about it in Isaiah 40, would have been a, a story from their family history that they were ashamed of, of where they had weak faith in God, of where they didn't trust that God could meet them and take them into the promised land, that God could actually do what he said he would do to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey. They would have remembered back to their family history of where they limited God, where they limited his faithfulness, where they limited his ability to rescue them to the God that they thought he should be and the size that they thought he was, limiting them. And so Isaiah is trying to remind them, God sits enthroned, enthroned, the founder 
of creation sits above the circle of the earth. And from God's perspective, all of humanity looks like grasshoppers. That God was more than able in their past to take them into the promised land, to be faithful to what he promised them. And Isaiah was reminding them that God is still the same. And he is faithful to us, even though we're exiles in Babylon, even though we're not being rescued from our current situation. And Isaiah goes on with more rhetorical questions in verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You know, last night I had the privilege of going to an engagement party out out near Mount Glorious in the Samford Valley. And, you know, there's something about when you go out of the city. As I was leaving the engagement party, hobbling up to my car, I looked up at the sky and I could see the Milky Way in all of its splendor. I love going camping, just looking up. Um, I understand Maney's on a swag each night, no doubt, looking up at the starry hosts. And did you know the Milky Way galaxy has a billion stars in it, over a billion stars. And the astronomers have have discovered that the Milky Way is just one of over two trillion, trillion, two trillion galaxies in the observable universe. So observable meaning what can be seen, what can be discovered. And astronomers say it's so much bigger than what we can observe. And so the thing we need to understand is that is how big God is. He is the God who who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name, by his great power and mighty strength, not one of the billions and trillions of stars that he has called out, that he knows intimately and has given them each a name. Not one of them is missing. And for you and I, we're so finite, we're so small, we're like grasshoppers, literally, For our finite minds, our small minds, to fathom the bigness of God, the infiniteness of God, the power of God that through his word spoke creation into being. For you and I to understand who he is, he is the same God who called forth the stars That in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, I chose you before the creation of the world. He is the same God that sees each of us intimately right now. He sees you. He knows your name. He chose you before the creation of the world. And so Isaiah goes on 
in Isaiah 40. And he says in verse 27, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Now, the names Jacob and Israel were just simply names for the descendants of Jacob, for the Israelites. Why do you say, Isaiah says, that somehow God doesn't see you? That somehow God disregards what you're struggling with, what you're currently going through? And that's what he says to you and I today. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're facing, whatever suffering you're in, no matter if it's for one week, two weeks, one year, 10 years, 70 years, why do you say my way is hidden? My cause is disregarded by my God. He is the same God that has always been. Verse 28, he is the Lord, the everlasting God, the unchanging God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. There is no limits to the bigness of who our God is. There is no limits to the power of who God is. You and I, we have limits. We're limited in our physical bodies. We're limited with old age and not being spring chickens, you know, born and growing up in the winter. We're limited, but there are no limits to God. You know, you and I, you know, we only know a world of limits. So let me give you an example. I bought a Dyson vacuum cleaner. You know, Dyson, it's supposed to be one of the best sort of cordless vacuum cleaners. And uh, I bought it just under two years ago. Cordless vacuuming, you know, it's supposed to be really good. Well, after about a year, the battery, I would literally just go zzz, zzz, and then it would finish. And I was like, what the heck? So I rang Dyson and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you need to replace the battery. Limits. And I was like, well, I didn't even get my two years worth. God is not like a battery. God does not somehow wear down. He's not like you and I, wearing down and, and age, you know, somehow reducing him. You and I, human beings, we use words like um, easy, difficult. God does not even have those words in his vocabulary. The word easy and difficult, they're words that we use, they're like creature words, human words we use to talk about the amount of effort a task takes. Oh, well, that's easy. Oh, that's difficult. This requires so much effort. Oh, but that's, that doesn't require much effort. They're creature words. They're human words. But in God's vocabulary, the same power that spoke the trillions and billions of stars into place, the same power that created the earth, the same power that created each and every one of us, the same power is the same as the strength he uses 
to take a sparrow from its nest. It's the same amount of power to God. It's not somehow harder or easier. There are no limits to who our God is. He is a God that doesn't need more sleep, that somehow he needs more rest. He is not the God that somehow is lacking anything. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. How many of you are weary today? He increases the power of the weak. Even youths, even youths will grow tired and weary. And young men, young women will stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now what's interesting in this particular part of this Isaiah 40 is Isaiah writes that those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles, will run, not grow weary, will walk and not be faint. And what's interesting in Hebrew thinking, the way it's written is each piece builds upon the piece before it. And so Isaiah talks about they will soar, they will run, and they will walk. His main point is the walking. That's the emphasis. Now, you and I, if I was Isaiah and I was writing this passage, I would have turned it around the other way. I would have said, okay, you walk, and then you run, and then you soar. Because soaring sounds exciting. Soaring with the eagles. That sounds like you're really doing something then. But what you and I need to understand is Isaiah is saying the most important thing you and I can do, the most important priority to God is not the soaring, it's not even the running. It's the walking day by day, step after step. It's pressing on. It's pressing on. It's walking every day in the faithfulness of who God is. You know, we often equate strength and power to young people. You know, when you're young, then you're fit, then you're healthy, you know, lots of energy bouncing off the walls. You only need to give a child chocolate to see that strength and vitality bouncing off walls. That's why athletes, athletes, most athletes retire by the age of 30. Because as we get older, we get weary. As we get older, we feel tired. As we get older, we get sore knees and creaking, cracking bits and pieces to us. We know limitations. But Isaiah is reminding them that your strength, your power is not found in, in somehow being fitter. Or somehow, your power, your strength is found in those who wait in the Lord. 
And it's not just this passive, you know, like a Buddha, just waiting. I'm just waiting. It's not this passive posture, this passive stance of just going, okay, God, well, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth, so you just do your thing, and I'm just waiting, passive, like a lump of clay. No. It's as I look to him, as I fix my eyes on him, as I remember who he is, the creator of the heavens and the earth, as I rely on him, it says, you shall mount up on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. I began this morning by asking, what limits God? And you know what I found in my life I'm the one who limits God. I'm the one who puts God into the size that I think he is, to what he can do, to what he can achieve in any given situation. I'm the one who puts God in a box. But today, God wants to remind us he is so much more than what we think he is. That I, that you, we are to remember his faithfulness. He's not just the God of, you know, Moses and Abraham and Jacob and King David and, and Peter and Paul. And he is my God. He is your God. You and I stand in a great generation of witnesses. The same God who spoke the world into being is faithful no matter what we're going through. And he's asking us to trust in his nature and character, to not limit him, to not place him in a box, but to say, God, I want to take you out of the box I've placed you in. Father, as I look to you, as I limit you with what I'm walking through, because it's dragging on and on and I don't see an answer and I don't know how it's going to change, that somehow, God, I'm choosing today to take you out of the box and put my hope and my trust in who you are because you're so much more. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he writes in Ephesians chapter 1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, your spiritual eyes, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power, that power that's available to us who believe is the same power, the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. 
I got one amen. That same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. He lives in me. And it's not easy or difficult to put stars into space or to rescue us when we're in exile or to save us with whatever we're facing. Remember his faithfulness as a team comes up. Remember, he is the same God that split the Red Sea. He is the same God that led them into the promised land. He is the same God that rose Lazarus from the dead. He is the same God that rose Jesus from the dead. He is the same God that gave blind Bartimaeus back his sight. He is the same God that called Peter to walk on the water. He is the same today. He is faithful. He is good. He is for us. He has chosen us. There are no limits to who our God is. He says, take me out of the box. I don't belong in the box you've placed me in. I am faithful. Will you remember Remember that I am the God of the ages. Remember that I am the God of creation. I am the God of the past. I am the God of the future. What are you facing today? Where have you limited God? In your relationships? In your health? In your finances? in difficulties, in challenges. God says, remember, remember, I am with you. And Father, this morning, as we stand before you, we set our eyes on you. Enlighten the eyes of our heart to truly see your faithfulness. That you are not a God that is limited. You are so much more. The only limits are the limits I place on you. Father, would you help me this morning, each one of us, remember your faithfulness. Remember that you are the God of ages past and you are the same God that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. He is Lord. Father, would you remind us of that today? And as the band, we're we're going to just finish with this song and I understand at Ormo you don't normally have any sort of response but I believe today God is wanting to challenge some of us will you remember will you take me out of the box I want to challenge you if God has been speaking to you today about the box you've placed him in where you've made him a God that somehow in this circumstance he just can't do it or he won't do it. God is saying today, maybe I can't change the circumstance, 
Well, he can, he's God, but I can change your perspective. Lift up your eyes. I want to challenge you today. If God is speaking to you, then I want you to come down the front today. And I, I'm sure there'll be some people that will just, you can pray and they can pray for you. So let's just stand and let's just respond. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.